0: The content of CPR Unplugged is designed for entertainment purposes only and is not intended as mental health treatment or medical or mental health advice. Details such as names and locations may have been changed to protect individual privacy. Hello and welcome to CPR Unplugged. I'm your host, Jess. Thank you for joining me today. Whoever you are, wherever you're joining from, we are happy to have you. Today, I am joined by Oliver. Hi, Oliver.
1: Hi, how's it going?
0: It's going great. It's good to have you. Thanks for joining us.
1: Yeah, thank you for having me.
0: So I am going to open the floor up to you and feel free to introduce your story wherever you would like and we'll take it from there.
1: Well, the story really starts when I was about like 15 or 16 um, in high school. I was a sophomore and uh, I started to really get like really depressed and that kind of led to other things including like self-harm and stuff like that and uh I actually had to have like kind of like an intervention almost uh some friends of mine who were aware of what I was going like going through sat me and my parents down and kind of had like a frank open discussion about everything and then that was the that kind of got the ball rolling um, with my parents, and they started looking into um, therapy, and they started looking into other things, um, but it did get to a point where it was uh, it was so bad, and I was having so many suicidal thoughts that I ended up getting hospitalized for the first time um, when I was like 15 or 16, and I was in a treatment facility for, it was just like an acute care um, system, so I was in there for about like a week, and it it helped on like a surface level. There was definitely other things that needed to get Tackled and during this time, I was also going to going to therapy and everything. I was on I was on medication, but uh, yeah, when I was in the treatment facility, um, it was a mix of good experiences and bad experiences. Um, And I ended up getting out of that, like I said, like a week later, and things were things were okay for about a couple of months, and then I actually uh, attempted suicide, um, which thankfully I did not obviously succeed in, Um, and that got me into uh treatment again um in the same place and i was there for i think like four or five days and honestly that whole part i don't remember anything because i was i was pretty i was pretty drugged out um so i was just kind of just kind of chilling and then i got out again and again things were good for like a couple of months and then i ended up getting hospitalized for a third time third slash fourth time because um during this time they actually discussed uh moving me to a residential treatment center so i was in the acute care for about a week and then i got moved out to a residential program and i was there for about a month and a half that's what my insurance allowed me um or at least i was doing good enough to the point to where my insurance said okay he doesn't need to be there anymore and yeah um that was a that was also a mix of good and bad experiences. Um, I definitely got a lot better being in the residential treatment center, but uh, like, yeah, there was a, there was an odd bunch of characters in that place. So it was kind of, uh, it was kind of like a shock in a sense. Um, But I'm really thankful that I went through that. And that's, that's where my story starts. And then like currently, um, things were good for about like four years. I ended up actually going off of my medicine, um, because I didn't mention, um, my diagnoses are, uh, bipolar, um, anxiety and panic disorder. Um, those are my current diagnoses. And at the time they were, um, bipolar, um, depression and anxiety disorder. And, uh, yeah. And so now like things were good for about four years and then, um, I was working a job and things were not going too good at the job and I just started to notice a decline in my mental health and I was having like really bad panic attacks but at the time I didn't quite I didn't quite know they were panic attacks I knew something was going on and then it turned into uh, me actually getting fired um, from that job um, due to uh, certain behaviors linked to um, the panic attacks and um, after that, that was kind of a wake up call. That oh, I need to I need to seek help again. Maybe get on medication. Definitely see a therapist again. And that started my journey into um, where I'm at now. Which um, I'm medicated. Um, I've been doing pretty good. I'm pretty stable at the current moment. Um, I deal with some things here and there, but for the most part, I'm I'm doing pretty pretty good at this point.
0: It sounds like your story is a good example of. Um, mental health, just very similar to physical health. This is a lifelong thing, right? And, and sometimes oh, yeah. we have ups, sometimes we have downs. Sometimes we need higher levels of care. Sometimes we're good to drop to a lower level of care. What's your experience been like with that, with, with going from the different levels of care and, and, and learning to take care of yourself, your mental health?
1: Well, definitely at the, at the time when I first had to go to a higher level of care, I wasn't too excited about it. I didn't have too much say because I was a minor at the time, but obviously with hindsight, um, it's 2020 and I'm, I'm able to see how much of a benefit that actually was. Um, So at the time it was a little, like, I felt like it was a little unfair, but like, obviously now I look at it and I'm like, okay, this was actually a really great thing that happened um, because who knows where I would be if I, I didn't have that kind of that level of care and then going from that level of care to to stopping seeing a therapist and then stopping my medication which was like recommended by my therapist and psychiatrist at the time um, they felt like I was doing good to where like I could possibly manage because with bipolar you can you can kind of manage off of medicine for a little bit but it's not necessarily the greatest So, uh, when I went to like a low level of care where I wasn't really going to a therapist, going to a psychiatrist or anything like that, it was, I mean, it was like definitely freeing, but at the same time, like there were some things that, I mean, I would still have to tap into certain coping skills that I learned through the, through the therapy. And then there were times where I probably should have been medicated. Um, I think if I was medicated and going to therapy, I probably wouldn't have gotten fired from that job. And I had the opportunity to do it, but I was just, I was too scared at the time. And then going back to the level of care that I'm at now where I, uh, I'm in therapy like every other week or every week, um, seeing a psychiatrist monthly. Um, it's, it's, it's a lot different of an experience now than it was when I was a minor, um, because I have a say in it and, uh, it's actually kind of empowering now because it's like, I'm taking charge of my mental health and I'm taking charge of, what it is that I need to do in order to be okay.
0: I love that perspective. That's great. Um, There might be some people listening who are not familiar with what a residential treatment program is. Could you talk a little bit more about your experiences there?
1: Yeah, I'll uh, do it to my best of my ability. Um, A residential treatment center is different from like an acute care system, which is like, basically a treatment um, program where you're in for a, sh- a short amount of time. Um, you you s- sleep there, you eat there, um, you have like group therapy and stuff like that. Um, and residential treatment center is um, very similar to that, except it's for longer periods of time. Um, there were people in there that were in there for up to a year. So you could be in there for depending on how long you actually needed it. So yeah, it's, it's not much different. There's uh, there's group therapies. Um, we eat, we all eat together. We all have separate rooms where we can sleep and shower and everything like that. Um, you're not allowed to have like things like shoelaces or like razors or anything like that, anything that could possibly cause harm to you or somebody else. Um, so even if you have like a hoodie with like drawstrings, you can't have that in there. You have to take that out. And yeah, like my experiences in there was a mixture of, Of good and bad there were some like really like aha moments that were pretty like um eye-opening to me um as far as like what I needed to do in order to get into a better place and a better mindset and then there was just like crazy things like like people eating like 14 packets of mayonnaise at lunch and then puking like crazy afterwards. Um, it, was a, it was an odd experience, but it's an experience that uh, I'm, I'm definitely thankful that I had.
0: When you were working, was your employer aware that you were struggling with mental health issues?
1: yeah yeah they were actually um and they were aware that uh some of the things that were contributing to it um i wouldn't say the like the main cause of it but like uh there was definitely some contributing factors that um had to do with the environment that i was in um and the environment that was kind of fostered and like treated by uh the manager um or i guess um lack of treatment from the manager uh because there were definitely things that uh shouldn't have been going on there was um a lot of like infighting versus morning versus night crew. there was a lot of people that were kind of getting special treatment, getting favoritism um, and yeah, those things were kind of like contributing to my ongoing anxiety because I knew that I was part of a group that wasn't as highly respected as the morning crew since I was a, a night employee. so yeah he was he was definitely aware of it but uh, yeah I don't I don't necessarily think he handled it in the best way he could have.
0: You know, another that's a good point. I think there's a lot of challenges when you have uh, mental health, you know, and knowing that, having had that experience, would you do anything differently in future places of employment or have you addressed that with employers?
1: One of the, one of the things that I, I have addressed already is just having an open and frank discussion with um, my employer and telling them like, hey, I have certain things that um, I'm dealing with. I have certain diagnoses. Um, sometimes they'll get into the specifics, sometimes I, I won't and I'll just tell them like, hey, I have, I have some things that like might contribute to certain like behaviors or um, things that I say. And for the most part, they've been pretty understanding about that. Um, as far as doing things differently though, one would just be not waiting as long, um, to seek help. Um, because at the time I had a real, like, for some reason, there was like a mental block, um, that I had never really had before. And that was that I I couldn't ask for help. Um, like there was some sort of a bad thing about asking help. Um, and it was some sort of sign of like weakness or something for me. So I had to, I had to get over that. And the thing that I would change now is just, uh, just addressing that it, it's not a weak thing and it's never a weak thing to ask for help. Everybody needs help and um, we should be, we should feel empowered to ask for help and we should feel um, grateful to receive that help. So I I would just say, if there, if there's a problem that arises um, with my own personal mental health, not wait as long to address it because um, there might be a better outcome.
0: That's great advice. Absolutely. And that goes to that whole, you know, destigmatizing you know we're all oh, we're all definitely. human we all have we all have brains we all have emotions it's part of the package
1: oh definitely
0: do you have any advice you would give to specifically teenagers that might be struggling with the same kind of things you struggled with
1: well a large part of my issues as a teenager stemmed from um issues with my identity um and issues with like sexuality um so I would definitely say that um, some advice that I'd give is no matter who you are or what what you are, um, as far as like something like sexuality wise or gender wise, there is nothing wrong with you. And that is not that is not at the core of whatever your issue is. I would definitely say find somebody who you can confide into and that you can just talk to and just express yourself to find ways of expression something that really helped me is music Um, music is fantastic um, is a fantastic way for me to express myself and for me to put all my feelings kind of into into something and create something out of it or make videos or um, anything dance do anything that makes you happy in the moment it's not like one, it's not like a fake it till you make it type thing. It's just find ways that you can, you can express yourself and you can express some of the things that you're feeling because sometimes the hardest thing to do is to verbalize it. And if you, if you don't take it in a verbal way and you just put it into like maybe a physical way, like a dance or something like that, I think that is immensely beneficial.
0: love that advice. That's awesome. Um, and, and there is no one path. Absolutely. There's a lot of different oh, ways no. to express yourself and, and come into your own identity. Oh, definitely. What has your, cause I feel like that's such a universal concept of seeking our sense of identity. Uh, what has your journey been like finding yourself?
1: Oh, it is. It's been very confusing. Um, I I love when people tell me stories of like, how easy it was for them to find out their identity or how, or like how I perceive it to be so easy, but I know it's not an easy thing for everybody. And that is something that's not necessarily talked about too much um, is the fact that it can be, it can be hard and it can be confusing. Um, And when it came to discovering things like um, specifically, like with like sexuality um, terminology, feeling like confined to terminology or feeling, um, confined to a certain word or expression or whatever that is, um, can be kind of debilitating. And just, I w- like education was a big thing for me was, um, getting educated into, um, different terminologies, but then also realizing that you don't always need terminology and that, um, sometimes the best way to define yourself is without really defining yourself. Um, you don't need to feel as constricted or as, restricted or anything like that. Um, really it's, there's no right or wrong way.
0: Yes, definitely. Uh, sometimes there isn't even a word for it, right? It might just be a oh, feeling exactly. or, uh, it's great. Uh, is there anything that we didn't talk about that you wanted to discuss?
1: No, not, not really. Um, the main thing like that I'll, I'll touch back on again is find ways that you can can express yourself. Something that I've I've found is uh, there's not one way that I can truly express myself. I do music. I make YouTube videos. I started a podcast with a buddy. And just, I mean, it's okay to not be, it's, it's okay to not just do one thing. You can do an abundance of things. And that goes for, for life paths as well. You don't have to just do one thing for the rest of your life. If there are multiple things that interest you, like explore that and do that. There's no There's nobody but you saying that you can't do that.
0: That That's so great. Ah, I love it. Okay. I don't know um, any other questions to ask. I think that was fantastic. Um, If you want, we can, we can riff a little bit more on the identity piece. If you wanted to go into detail about how you, some steps you took or, or some, maybe some missteps and things you tried that didn't work out so well. Um, But that's completely up to you. I know that goes kind of into a deeper level.
1: Yeah, I mean, with that, um, you know, like when I was when I was like, when I was like 15, like, like 14, maybe 15. That was when I truly started to um, question like, who am I? And um, I started to dive deeper into that. And I, I thought I knew the answer right away. And I was just like, oh, I'm this. And that didn't really stick. Not that I was like confused in it. It was just like, I felt, I felt super restricted and I felt like um, I had to meet up to other people's expectations about like what that was. And that was like the idea of being gay. And then like when I was, I don't know, like 15 or 16, um, I like re came out as bisexual and I thought that that was it. And I, I, I identified as that for, For a long while, um, until I just like really thought about it and it just, it didn't feel as freeing. It didn't feel as comfortable as I thought it did. I didn't feel like it described the full picture. And it wasn't until I got a little bit older and I educated myself on certain things and certain terminologies. And thankfully, the information is is out there now. It's on the internet. Everybody can find it. Um, so it's a lot easier than it was when when I was coming to terms with it. Um, but identifying as queer, just a queer identity, um, that is something that feels incredibly freeing to me. Um, there's not as not as many restrictions or as many expectations I feel on you. And at, at that point, you can be you can be gay, you can be bisexual, you can be anything. It's an umbrella term. Um, so really, just finding the terminology and finding the the information that I was, I was searching for such a long time um, has been probably one of the most freeing things for me. Um, And just even with like finding who I am as, as a person finding like what it is that I want to do. I felt so restricted for a long time. That's word I keep using restricted, but I, I, I felt so restricted for a long time that I had to do, I had to do just one thing. So that's what I did. I did one thing for a long time and then I noticed over time, that's not all I want to do. And the only person that's really stopping me is myself. I'm I'm telling myself that I have to do one thing. So that's when I started exploring other things like in movies and videos and TV, as well as just like other forms of expression, like just art in general. And like diving into that was probably one of the most like I don't want to say scary because there wasn't there wasn't so much fear in it, but there was a lot of uncertainty in it and a lot of like second guessing and being like, am I, am I really good enough at this? Or like, can I really do this? And I feel like those are questions that like you can ask and that's okay. But like at the same time, I don't feel like those are questions that you have to feel held down by. It's okay if you're not, so great at something. It's okay if um you really like that's probably not what you should be putting your energy into. It's all trial and error and we get there at our own pace.
0: Um so I've enjoying this conversation so much. I just got to say I think it's so relatable. This is something that, you know, I feel like a lot of people can relate to on a lot of different levels. And I love that you mentioned that it changed over time because it's so true. Um our identities do change over time and how we yes. how we connect and how we feel about certain things and how we relate to certain things. And, and that's okay. That's all part of the human experience.
1: Oh, definitely. And especially with something like sexuality, sexuality is so fluid that um, it's not really, it's not really a binary like people think like you're either this or you're that, like you can fall anywhere on the spectrum and that's perfectly okay. And you get there at your own pace.
0: Perfect. Well, so if anybody takes anything from this today, definitely take take these words to heart. Oliver, thank you so much for joining us. This was this was yeah. really great.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Got questions or ideas for the podcast? Or perhaps you have your own story to share? We'd love to hear from you. Email us at podcast at and dot com or call 602-281-7795. You can also find us online at cprpodcast.podbean.com or wherever you prefer to find your podcast. CPR Unplugged was produced by Crisis Preparation and Recovery, Inc. The intro and outro music was created by Rob Wilson. The CPR podcast team includes Tamara Lamontine, Ben Edwards, Laura Kaufman, Rob Wilson, and Michael Magarinos. Special thanks to Jason Spisak for technical support.